Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex to be considered before becoming a client of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Securities are offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Annex Wealth Management and HBEC are unaffiliated. This program may contain forward-looking statements which may not come true. Please consult with an advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management. On WTMJ. Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, WTMJ, Labor Day weekend. Thanks for joining us. Dave Spano is here. So is Mark Oswald and Derek Felsky. Lots to talk about this week. There really is. And I think the big news this week is really on the trade front, guys. You know, there was this conversation going into the election about reworking the NAFTA agreement, which is the North American Free Trade Agreement, both Mexico and Canada. And there was some progress this past week between the United States and Mexico. Yeah, I think the president recognized late, late in July that you can't have three trade fights at the same time so what the u.s. has now done is they've made a deal with mexico uh, we do expect Canada ultimately to join the agreement, whether they'll call it NAFTA or some derivation thereof is, is beside the point, really. And negotiations with the EU are ongoing. So a lot of trade uncertainty has been relieved, and that was a major headwind for the stock market since really since January. Well, I think that's the big word is uncertainty is, you know, when, when we look at markets and how markets perform on a week-by-week week or month-by-month month or quarter-by-quarter quarter basis, a lot of it's what do you expect to happen next? And when it's uncertainty, we don't know what's going to happen with trade. We don't know what's going to happen with individual companies because of tariffs and the like, it becomes more difficult for investors to know where to go next with their next dollar. But investing is is a game of uncertainty, if you will. And I like to come back to this this agreement. You know, there was supposed to be this trilateral agreement both with Mexico and Canada at the same time. Uh, the president bifurcated that relationship and said, let's get a deal done with Mexico and then go back and talk to Canada. And I thought that was smart. But to your point exactly, there is the next step after that agreement would be to talk about the EU and get an agreement together with the European Union. I think if you start to make those two fronts, I think this whole concern about the tariffs and the trade might dissipate. Well, on the other part of it, if you get those things in order, you get North America taken care of, you get Europe taken care of, the, the behemoth, the one that you're really concerned about is China. Yeah, because everyone agrees that the Chinese have been cheating, you know, since they joined the WTO. And I think we, the United States would have a lot more leverage going to the table with the EU, Mexico, and Canada on their side of the table and the Chinese on the other. So, you know, the, the other wall of worry that the market has continued to go up on is not only geopolitical issues, but political issues. And there certainly was a lot of conversation about impeachment proceedings, and we'll see what happens with that. You know, you and I read some research this past week, Derek, that talked a little bit about that. Yeah, historically that leads to investor uncertainty, um, you know, depending upon how the House, House elections play out and the midterms coming up in November, uh, the likelihood of, of an impeachment proceeding would probably go up if the Democrats took the House. It seems like that's one of their core platforms in this whole debate. But but in, inevitably, it's, it's always about fundamentals. And even though the president may be under pressure, to the degree that that affects policy is really what we're focused on. And, and let me just add, you know, we've seen this before back in 1974 when Nixon was having his issues. That wasn't the only thing that was happening. There was clearly economic issues in 72, 73, and 74. And then, of course, 1998, you know, when Clinton was going through his issues, there was that long-term capital debacle with Russia. So there were some background stories. You just mentioned that fundamentals are important. 
Absolutely, and I think that's what people have to focus on. I do. I mean, we've had, you know, some of our clients have come in. They've raised questions about the scuttlebutt in Washington. They talk about trade wars. They talk about Turkey. They talk about, you know, uncertainty in some segments of the global economy, like Venezuela. I think they, what do they do? They devalue their currency massively. Um, There's just all sorts of things to focus on. But, you know, what we try to do on our investment committee is focus on earnings, earnings growth, whether Wall Street expectations are too low for the companies that we own. Uh, whether we're correctly exposed tactically. So, for example, this week I was really heartened to see uh, Morgan Stanley upgrade Amazon with a target market cap of $1.2 trillion. That's one of the largest holdings in one of the ETS we hold from a tactical perspective. Uh, they also upgraded Google. And, and the, the NASDAQ has actually had its best August in many years. You know, Derek, I think that's really the takeaway for me as part of the investment committee and as an investor, when you start to look at all the noise that's out there, whether it's Venezuela or whether it's trade talk, you mentioned earnings. There's great things going on in the economy. You look at unemployment being under 4%. You look at consumer confidence and consumer spending, a lot of things that are happening there. Those are good things that, that support a stock market. And when you get back to that, those are the fundamentals that we're talking about that people probably should be focusing on. And Derek, can you, if you can stick around, I appreciate it. There's a lot more to talk about, including the Federal Reserve and some earnings news that we haven't covered just quite yet. Uh, 1013, WTMJ Despano, Mark Oswald, Derek Felsky, Annex Wealth Management website, AnnexWealth.com. When you arrive there, the first thing you'll see is know the difference. It is team, it is technology, it is trust. Again, AnnexWealth.com. Money tips that don't cost a thing. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, the Labor Day weekend show. I'm Danny Clayton, Dave Spano, Derek Felsky, and Mark Oswald here. Dave, I've heard you say a number of times, unloved bull market. Can you explain that? It is. Well, I, I think I'm going to ask Mr. Oswald to do it. He's the shtick guy, and, of course, he's, <laughs> he's mentioned that often. Well, it's the most unloved bull market ever because it's just, you know, Look, I mean, for a lot of people who went through 2008 and 2009, and we all did, is there's some scars. And there's a lot of people who were very hesitant to come back and put money back into the stock markets following what happened in 2008. There was just a lot of fear and there was a lot of skepticism. And so there's been, a, you know, it's been unloved. But in some ways, Derek, that's been a really good thing for this market because it hasn't been a runaway market. It's been a gradual move forward over the last nine or almost ten years now. Yeah, we do a balance sheet of, of stock market excesses, things to look for at a market top. For example, lots of IPO activity, um, one particular sector leading the market to the exclusion of all others, uh, just levels of enthusiasm and liquidity flows because basically – if people are putting their money where their mouth is, you need to pay attention. And they have not been putting their money in U.S. equities. U.S. equity flows are basically flat since the bottom in 2009. Money has gone into international markets. That has clearly not been rewarded as well as an investment in U.S. stocks. And it's gone into fixed income, and that hasn't rewarded people either. Now, there could be a demographic argument there, right, the aging population, people reducing risk as they approach retirement and enter retirement. But bottom line is valuations, corporate fundamentals, and the lot like still are supportive. It's not as inexpensive as it was in 2009, 2010, but it's certainly not at overvalued levels either. And so you talk about overvalued levels. Where we are today is less expensive than where we were at the beginning of the year, Derek. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Because earnings have gone up about 25% uh, year to date. The, the S&P is up about 10 So basically, the, the, the stock market is underperforming the economy. But that followed five years where the reverse was true. So what I would suggest to people, you know, we're in a midterm election year. 
the month of September in midterm elections is usually the worst month of the year prior to an election. There's uncertainty there, but that is followed by a really quick snapback in October, November, and December. So next month is a great month to take a look at your portfolios. Think, look at asset classes that perhaps have grown beyond your comfort zone. For example, with equities doing this well, they're a much bigger piece of your portfolio than they were a year ago. So, so look for opportunities perhaps to get that risk more in line with your own goals and objectives. And I will say, Derek, that we had this conversation last year that there is going to be a reversion to the mean and that the economy might do better than the stock market does, and that's exactly what has happened in 2018. Well, it's, it's nice to be right once in a while. Well, you, you're right more than once in a while, blind squirrel. But anyways, there is this thing about peak earnings, which is also this uh, conversation that clients have brought up to us, Mark. Certainly, and we've talked about it in our investment committee because you look at the earnings of the companies in the S&P 500, both in 2017 and so far in 2018, just eye-popping numbers when you're talking about 20% growth, 25% growth. What does that mean? That means that when you compare the earnings from the second quarter of 2017 to, to the earnings of the second quarter of 2018, the earnings of the index itself were 25% higher. Well, that's a comparable. And so when you look at the comparables for third quarter, fourth quarter, or going into 2019, you have to wonder whether or not we just hit peak earnings. And if that's the case, then can we expect to have a lesser earnings growth but still sustainable earning growth going into 2019. Well, that's that Mark, that's my expectation. I mean, we're looking at, you know, we saw 25% in Q2. Q3 is more likely to be around 23%, Q4 roughly the same. And then next year when we start anniversarying the impact of the tax cuts, obviously the comparisons become much more difficult so the growth rate will slow. But the thing that I find most interesting is we're we're not just beating on earnings estimates, we're beating on growth, on sales sales growth. And to the degree that this deregulation and and some certainty on trade and the dollar becomes you know, more of an even-handed two-way street, there's no reason to believe corporate America shouldn't do well into 2019. And I think it's important that we're, what we're talking about is the growth of the earnings. It doesn't mean the companies are making less money. It just means you're not growing as fast, and it's just because you're comparing it to a number that was pretty grandiose. So you, 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 you're not able to do that for years and years and years at a time. You have to look at it and say at some point in time you hit an earnings peak, and earnings is going to slow down. And by the way, this is not all puppies and roses. There certainly is the conversation that the Fed is having that there is a very high likelihood and something like 96% chance that they're going to raise rates in September. We'll see what happens at the end of the year. And in 2019, we'll see if they actually purposely invert the yield curve. I personally don't think they will do that. And so their dot plot suggests a number of rate raises in 2019. I don't think that's going to happen. Thank you, Dave Spano. 1022 at WTMJ. We're going to take a break. Retirement Roadmap is one of our very popular seminars. It's coming up. It's actually, you know what, it's a week from Tuesday because here we are, September 1st. This one comes up on September 11th at our Mequon office on Mequon Road. Details at AnnexWealth.com. Just go to the Events tab again. Retirement Roadmap, September 11th, happens in Mequon. Spreading the wealth every Saturday. Here's more Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano is here. Mandy Nowashinsky, welcome back. Thanks. Dragging you in a lot. Yep. So 
Dave, how many meetings do you think we have a week with clients? Uh, we're averaging about 120 meetings a week across our five branches, including our virtual office as well. But it, we get a chance to talk to a lot of people in a lot of different circumstances. So this is an Ask Annex question, and lots of questions are being asked in those meetings. But there's also a lot of other ways that you can get a hold of us uh, through the website. And here's one that came through the website. My wife and I were married five years ago, second marriages for both of us. We are looking to formally review our portfolios to set us up for the best possible scenario for retirement as we're reaching at different stages in our lives. Mm -hmm. Caveat is she has young children. So how will that play into the retirement planning process? Well, I have to tell you, I uh, did some research earlier this week on another case, and Pew Research said that roughly two-thirds of adults ages 55 to 64 have remarried already. I mean, that just makes uh, it makes your blood pressure go up. Two-thirds. So this is not a unique circumstance, and this happens a lot, Mandy. And there's a lot that goes into when people have second marriages. And I think before you even start to talk about retirement planning, when you go into this relationship, I think step number one is to be transparent of what everybody has. Oh, I agree. And not only what you have, but what are your goals, especially when you've got young children. College is still a large expense that's out there. When you've got somebody nearing retirement and somebody with younger kids that they may want to pay for college, it's how are we going to pay for that college? Right. So I think, you know, what we do, Danny, when we start, we sit down with people, and you talked about all these meetings that we have, you know, we go through what are the assets, what's the debt, what's someone's credit history, uh, that's important, what's someone's financial support maybe coming from another marriage, and then we have to look at all of the stuff and put it down in paper, and that's why I talk about being transparent. I think that's where we have to start. you got almost kind of a 3D chess. Right, you've got you've got mm-hmm. lots of different lots of different numbers, lots of different places. Right. Yeah, it's not much different, Manny, than what we do on in our normal process of doing wealth management. We have to collect this information, and it's it's 3D, as as Danny says. We have to go through and say, what are your personal circumstances? Mm-hmm. And maybe a 40 year old woman, in uh, another 40 year old woman, even though they're they're the same age and gender, their circumstances are highly different. Right, right, and their goals are going to be significantly different. You know, if you have a second marriage you know it's always talking about usually our first goal that we talk about is when do you want to retire at what age and if you have a second marriage maybe if there's a big age difference one spouse is going to be retiring before the other does the other spouse then want to retire early so they can spend time together but is retirement the priority to to get that in place first again that goes back to the discussion around goals but that's usually a lot of the goals that we talk about you know usually retirement how much you're going to spend in retirement and then usually college family planning sort of goals. You know, these are family obligations, and we look at it and say, all right, your circumstances and your circumstances are different. So let's go ahead and take a look at that. You know, and it's just not retirement planning. I have a personal experience of somebody in my family where the estate planning wasn't done well, and it was a second marriage for one of them. And we got through that process, and we found out that the beneficiary designations hadn't been updated. He had worked at the same company for a long time, and he didn't update his beneficiary designations, and his ex-spouse was a, was, the, was a beneficiary on this stuff. So it's not just that. And you and I talked offline about Social Security as well. Right. That's another thing you have to talk about, especially if you have a big age difference. You know, when are you going to claim? If you've previously been married and you remarry later in life, let's say after the age of 60, 
there's claiming strategies available to you based on a prior marriage. So that so, is a big thing. And it's fair to say that, that these are totally custom plans for everybody. There's not one size fits all for anybody. There isn't. But I think to answer the question specifically, I think what we have to do is he has to pay himself first in this example. Right? He has to pay himself first and say, all right, this is a retirement planning goal. And then secondly, how are we going to do that and, and move in parallel paths to educate the children as well? Exactly. And, you know, one of the things I thought of when I was looking at this question was health care. If you've got one person retiring and there's still young kids involved, who's covering the health care on that? And if that's, you know, maybe the other spouse will still be working and have good health care coverage, but otherwise that's something we see a lot. And so what, we, what I think the first step we'll go through is, uh, do we have all the information? Let's right. update, it, update the accounts. Let's make sure the beneficiary designations. Let's make sure the titling is correct. And then we go through and say, all right, this, these are the assets that we have to work with. This is the income that we have to work with. Now how do we bifurcate these two goals and say, how do we get to the retirement plan done and how do we get the education plan done? And that's why I say it's, it's not one size fits all. It's not. Every scenario is different, especially when you have second marriages involved and, you know, who, you know where are the funds coming from in retirement, you know, as we talk about what are our goals, and there's a lot of things that come into play, not only how much you want to spend, but where where have you saved already? What buckets have you saved in? Has it been 401Ks, traditional IRAs, that, you know, that sort of thing that needs to be looked at? And that's the reason why financial planners have jobs, because every one of these circumstances are different. And, again, it's our team approach, right? So we've got financial planners. Mandy, you're a CFP as well, but mm-hmm. you also take things from the, the tax angle. But mm-hmm. you need it. We have it. And, and situations, every single situation is different. But, again, the team that backs you up at Annex Wealth Management is ready. And we have an estate planning attorney on staff as well. And they have to go through, and she has to go through and take a look at beneficiary designations and how things are titled. That's Ask Annex. Uh, Mandy, can you stick around? we got another one yet yeah. this hour. Yes, I will be here. From simple investments to stock advice, back to Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Team Technology Trust. Now, trust is our goal at Annex Wealth Management. That is something that we earn. We've got team members, and we talk to them weekly to showcase the depth of our talent, and you name it, we've got experts in a particular need. We don't talk a lot about technology, so that's what we're going to do here. Joining me is Stephanie Emmons, our Program and Events Manager. Hey, Stephanie, welcome back. Hi, Danny. Thank you. Mark Oswald. Mark, I'm not even going to mess with your your title. Because ah. you, you probably are a chief watchdog in keeping things safe, and we're going to get to that. But, Stephanie, tell me a little bit about the technological touches that you and your team utilize with Annex clients? We start to have the technological touches from the moment a client becomes a client. Everything from how they're completing their paperwork. We very rarely print paper. It's all done via DocuSign. It's authenticated. You have to prove that you are who you are, so there's no opportunity for fraud or security you know, ID theft. And then you can complete your paperwork with a few clicks of a button after you verify things. But this is the way things are going, and we want to make sure clients are comfortable with that from the very moment they start working with Annex Wealth Management because this is what we're going to do to secure their relationship, secure their identity, make them feel comfortable with working here at Annex. You must have seen quantum leaps over the years. Yeah, I mean, I'm 30 years into doing this, and uh, certainly a lot of things that we're doing now, you look at Annex everywhere. You know, even though we're in five and growing locations, you know, there's people that are listening today that it's not convenient for them, either their health, their age, or just they don't like to drive on the freeway or whatever the case might be. Annex Everywhere is a really good solution, Stephanie. And talk about that a little bit and what that initiative has been like. You can be anywhere. You can be in another state. You can 
work third shift and sleep during the day, and it's not convenient to meet with one of our wealth managers during uh, the normal business hours. Annex Everywhere allows for anybody to become a client of Annex Wealth Management and take advantage of those services. And think about the people that are clients of ours that have second homes, you know, in Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina, whatever it might be. Those people are having year-round meetings with us because we're using technology to be able to do that the screen sharing that we're able to do to be able to open up your statements or look at tax returns and estate planning documents and everything that goes into that, those are things that we can do securely. And that's so important because we can't underscore that enough. We do it in a secure environment where we're not creating documents that are lost later and they're personal to you and we can make sure that we're interacting with you about your financial plan and your documents in a secure environment. I love electronic statements. Mm -hmm. I know that's something that is available for our clients. It certainly is, and we can do that at a couple different levels. So once you become a client, you'll have immediate access to your accounts through the custodian, one of our independent custodians that we use to custody our clients' assets. And they have individual logins where a client can log into their site, view their account balances, view their account statements, their confirmations, their tax documents. Sometimes, Stephanie, we we use a little bit of jargon in our business, right? And it's really familiar for the three of us as to what that is. But think about a custodian, and I think for people out there to understand what that role is, in the relationship. The custodian is the company that actually holds your assets, holds your mutual funds or your exchange-traded funds or your individual stocks or whatever it might be. And that custodian is a third party. That, for us, has been a real distinction. But the fact of the matter is that Madoff never gets away with what he got away with for as long as he got away with it, had there been an independent third-party custodian. He was the custodian. He was the custodian. That would be a problem. And on one floor was the investment management team supposedly making investment decisions in these bogus accounts. And on another floor was a printing press. And they printed the statements and they sent them out to the clients and dummied those statements. Up. Think about that. If you're investing someplace other than a third-party custodian, is what's the checks and balances? What balances are in place to make sure that when you're getting a statement from your advisor, that you're also getting a statement from the custodian? You can lay those two documents side by side and do a comparison to make sure that your money is safe. Stephanie, expanding that into the relationship that we have with our clients, the way that we pass documents back and forth between Annex and our clients through the eMoney Vault. The eMoney Vault is a secure portal that only our clients individually and Annex Wealth Management staff have access to. And you think about something, a large document, like a tax document or maybe a a trust or a will that you want Annex to review, you don't want to fax those. You don't necessarily want to email them back and forth. And eMoney, our financial planning software that's interactive, it allows for, for this vault feature. And you can upload a document right into the vault, and it notifies our team that, hey, this document is there for you to take a look at. And our staff can review it and do whatever they need to and plan those next steps. It's all done securely. There's no paper. There's no way for anybody else to see it other than you and Annex staff members. And and people have gotten really creative in what they're putting in that vault. eMoney Vault will even take an audio file. So if you want to leave a message or your heirs or whatever that case might be, instructions, you can do that in that eMoney Vault. Now, here's what's really important to me when I think about the watchdog role, right, Danny, is it's encrypted on two levels, and that's important. It's encrypted in transit, in other words, when it's being sent back and forth through the vault, and at rest. 
so that the, the vault itself is encrypted, both while documents are in transit and while documents are at rest. A couple of other things, Stephanie, while I have you here. Talk a little bit about verbal verification. It's a standard we went to a couple years ago for in taking instructions from our clients. What's verbal verification? So anybody who is going to call us and say or email us and say, hey, I'd like to take a distribution from my account or I want to make a contribution to my account or I'd like to make these changes to my account, we require verbal verification, which means we need to talk to you and you're going to have to verify to us that you are who you say you are. And the reason that we did that, guys, is because of the fact that most frauds comes from the compromising of an email account. So we don't take that email. And it's not the Nigerian prince anymore. These things are pretty sophisticated. And when they come in, we make sure we call you. So if you're not doing that with your advisor, make sure that you establish verbal verification standards for your account. Spoofing of accounts has gotten incredibly sophisticated these days. And there have been several times we've gotten emails from clients with the right signature, with the right email address, where you would think that this has come exactly from a client that you've known from years and years. And then you call the client and you talk with them and you realize that's not them. They didn't send it. So it's getting incredibly sophisticated. So verbal verification becomes more and more important every day. Stephanie Emmons of Annex Wealth Management along with Mark Oswald, 1042 at WTMJ. It's MoneyTalkAnnexWealth.com. Watch your investments grow with Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. It's Ask Annex number two. Mandy is here, and so is Dave Spano. And uh, I know you guys are financial planners, not marriage counselors, but you ready? <laughs> you ready? Here's the question. We're at a crossroads in our home and hope you can help. My husband has his heart set on sending our children to a private high school with plans for UW-Madison after graduation. We're both UW alums. His reasoning is performing well in high school, they'll gain placement to Madison. I'm fine with that, but we have three children and less than $50,000 saved toward retirement. Private school is expensive. I think we should work at aggressively saving. They have a perfectly good public school available to them. I've heard on the show before, we should place our retirement needs first. Could you please clarify? Well, you know, you have to pay yourself first because there are options for children, at least after high school, and so that's the reason why we talk about doing that. And so when we talk about paying yourself first, one of the things that you should do is put it on autopilot, and that means your 401k qualified plan, 403b, whatever it is, put it on autopilot, Mandy. Right, and, you know, the more money you put away earlier, you've got time value of money on your side. So if you start saving early, it'll grow a little more. So that's when you talk about autopilot, you know, reinvesting that, you know, every paycheck, you know, once you start working, and I know even in later in life, reevaluating how much can you save per paycheck and maybe increasing. And, again, working at Parallel Pass, one of the things that you can do as well by putting it on autopilot is a 529 plan, and you can do that. You can have it drafted right out of your checking account, and it can go into a 529, correct? Correct, and I even learned recently that you can actually have that through your employer, so your employer can allow you to auto-draft that directly from your paycheck, just like a 401k, into your 529 plan, kind of the set it and review it, forget it, you know, what's going on behind the scenes, and you're saving. And one of the things that people should do is they should invest in equities, and the reason why you want to do that is there is lots of evidence that equities have outperformed fixed income and savings accounts over time. And obviously we've had a 10-year bull market, and that comes into play. But when you start putting in money into your, your 401K plan or a 529 plan, a percentage of that should be in equities, and you shouldn't be too conservative. 
Well, right, and in, in this question, they're looking at their kids aren't even in high school yet. So if they start saving now for a potential college that's four plus years off, you know, get that money in equity, so you can get a decent, you know, yield on that and growth until college. It kind of reminds me of you know, I, I coach, uh, and so every kid that comes through my systems, you know, they think they think their kid is going to play in the pros, right? This is the same thing. Getting into UW-Madison isn't a joke. I mean, it's a high GPA to get in, isn't it, Mandy? It is a high GPA, and you have to have all those other things, you know, all those clubs, extracurriculars, not just a high GPA anymore. And so, you know, I think grooming a young junior for academic glory is a good idea to go through that and to go to a private school, but uh, they're not cheap either. I I know a couple of the private schools that I'm familiar with is around $14,000 a year. And so that's expensive, on it. that's per kid. Well, and this is the counseling part of it, though, Dave. Do you think in certain cases you would advise them to maybe go to the good public school, or is that something that we don't get into? No, we really haven't done that because there is, you know, that really this is, could be a religious conversation as sure. well. And if you want to go to a private school and they want to have God in yep. their life while they're being educated, that's a whole different conversation. We're not going to get into that. We don't get into that. But we can talk about the economic part. Mm-hmm. And, that, and we give people, I mean, our clients are really smart people, and we give them the options, and we lay it out, and we let them go through them. Well, let's say if they came in and kind of went through the process, they don't get just one suggestion. We come up with a couple of different things that they could do. Well, we're consultants, yeah, and so yeah. we go through the process and say, this is plan A and this is plan B, and let's talk through it together. Right, yeah, we look at the 529 plans. How much should you save into the 529 plans, at what frequency, and for how long? And, you know, now you can use 529 plans for private high school, so that is an option, but then again, you're taking money out that's growing tax-free beforehand, and it's evaluating the cost, the future costs of college. And, of course, if there's an opportunity, go ahead and ask Grandma and Grandpa to help. (laughs) (laughs) I like that idea. (laughs) Time for a break. 1049, it is Money Talk. Annex Wealth Management, WTMJ. Get professional help with your portfolio. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Joining me on the show, Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. It is always a pleasure. You and I both read the same article, and it kind of gets into your world, which is the 401k world, but also financial wellness that Annex Wealth Management does. This was a Schwab survey. About a 1,000 people kind of came to the same conclusion, which is, what the heck? Well, the interesting thing is that the uh, the title is very different from the body of, you know, the substance in the article. The gist of it is, is the majority of 401k participants would like online or financial professional help. That's great. Absolutely. And you know what? When you look at it, you drill down. Most of them want to meet with people personally, but it's helpful to have a technological complement to the in-person consultation that people are looking for. See, I kind of wondered if that was looking at, say, if they're with a Vanguard or a Voya or somebody, do they want to be guided by those? services do they want to be guided by the company what what are they looking for and I think it's a combination of the two because people you know there are lots of good online services we work with lots of different record keepers and they all have very good online tools but there is only so much you can do without some personal help and as opposed to calling an 800 number it's nice to actually have a person you can dial up down the street or even better sit next to them on your computer and walk through it with you my biggest takeaways from this article was is that 80 percent say that a 401k at their employer is a must-have benefit a must-have in fact 90 percent said they'd think twice about taking a job that did not offer a 401k there is a combination of really encouraging and scary information in this article that's one of them. I think people have figured out that there is a retirement crisis pending in this country. People know they should be saving for retirement, and they want the ability to do it, and that's very encouraging. 
Well, first off, they don't look down the road. They overspend on probably more fun stuff or frivolous expenses. They don't think enough about retirement. My takeaway on that, Tom, was thank goodness for 401K. For a lot of people, it's the only vehicle that they've got. That's right. So the interesting thing, so it says the Americans say paying for unexpected expenses, 40% of people have trouble saving for retirement because of that. Being unwilling to sacrifice things that improve their quality of life, 34%, and then paying down credit card debt is 31%. Well, I look at the 34% of people not willing to sacrifice things that they want to have right now, and then the 31% paying down credit card debt. Well, the credit card debt's probably on the stuff that they didn't, you know, they wanted to, to have right now and wouldn't be willing to sacrifice. That's the part that's a little bit discouraging. But the fact that people are aware of the fact that they should not be doing that stuff you know, people would say, well, you're really looking for a silver lining here. But I think it is. I really do. Because for 10 years ago, talking to people, they weren't concerned at all about their debt. At least now they are. I just saw a piece on CNBC, and they were kind of talking about this, this same thing. And one of the anchors said, well, what do you tell a 24-year-old who got his first job that they should do savings? And I know for our sons, when they started working, I'm, I, I can't force them anymore. But I sure can strongly suggest, and I'm like, guys, you've got to get involved with your 401k. You just have to. Oh, that's a lot of money. You've got to. To my knowledge, they have. Yeah, well, I have three kids. My oldest is turning 13 in about a week, and then 11 and 5-year-old. And we talk about this stuff all the time at home. So I'm trying to start very early on. We talk about the budget that we have at our house. When we go shopping for groceries, we tell the kids, you know, this is how much of the stuff costs. And we try to start at an early age for them to understand this is how money works. You know, we do not have an unlimited supply of money. We need to prepare for you kids, for your education. We want to retire someday. We don't want to be a burden to you at that point in time. There is a limited amount of money to go around, and so we can't just willy-nilly spend on the things that we want. Of course, we do, you know, you can't have the life where you have no fun things going on yeah. either. Otherwise, what's the point in living? But there has to be a balance there. I know that at Annex we've rolled out a financial wellness program. This is part of it. Worrying about retirement, worrying about paying bills, that, that, that leads to financial stress. This is what it's all about. Yeah, so it starts with the financial stress, and, and everyone experiences it to some degree or another. Some people have more money than others. The good thing is technology is giving us more resources. The awareness is making the programs like the one we offer just much more valuable, and people are actually taking advantage of it, which is super encouraging. I was impressed to see that 80% of people think that their 401k is in better shape than ever before. That's good. That shows that it's performing. It the could market be. hasn't been well, hurting on that one, though. <laughs> yeah, thank you, market. Right. Um, 72% say that they're on top of their 401k investments. Yeah, the online access to accounts, I think, makes it, and with mobile access, almost all the providers have either mobile-friendly mobile pages or apps that they people can log into their accounts on. The other thing, though, I think people are in touch with their investments more so than they used to be, and it's kind of a two sides of a coin here. With target date funds, where you choose an investment that is based on your, your projected retirement date, and then everything gets done for you, people like that because it's kind of a set it and forget it. But ironically, by setting it, they end up not forgetting about it, and they pay closer attention, which I think is great. So 65% have increased their 401k contributions over the last couple of years. Sometimes when you do that, that automatic bump up, that's a good idea. 
Yeah, and most online tools with record keepers and retirement plan providers are going to give you the ability to, in advance, go in and say, here, I'm going to put away 5%, and then every year or every six months, bump me up by 1%, but cap it out at X percent. You know, you could pick 8 or 10 or whatever. And so a lot of people are taking advantage of that because they know that they should. And when you do it 1% at a time, you barely even notice it when you're doing it. So it's a great tool, and I think... You know, these statistics that we're seeing here help show that people are actually doing it. Hate to say it, but we're almost in fall. That's kind of a busy season for 401k plans, isn't it? It is the busiest season of the year, yes. So what should people be doing now? Uh, I guess we're talking to maybe HR people or uh, people that are CFOs. That's right. This is the time of year when HR professionals and CFOs are looking at the total company benefits packages. A lot of the health care benefits are expiring, so they need to go through the renewal process. While that's not the case with 401k plans, it's just a natural time for people to look at the whole benefits package, you know, together. And if you're an HR professional or a CFO, we know a guy. Yeah, he's a really handsome guy. I see him in the mirror every day. And <laughs> how do we find you? How do we get a hold of you? AnnexWealth.com is a good place to start, of course. 262-786-6363. Same number for all of us. It's easy to get a hold of us. That's easy. Tom Parks, Director, Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Scripps Media Incorporated.